Hello and welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, here we are. 2020 continues to roll on, and uh, we're, we're trying to make all the technology work. We're trying to get Rick and Bubba University podcast out. Uh, guests, even if they're near here, they can't come in because you, you don't know this and social distance that. Well, you, you have a pandemic, and Rick, in this case, we had a hurricane come through. Yes, uh, as the, the time we were recording this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, we just had a hurricane come through uh, our location. We have trees down. We have Internet problems. We have all sorts of things. And our guest, uh, it, this is how bad it is, Herbie Newell uh, with Lifeline is our guest. And he literally has had to come to us via his car. Herbie, have you, <laughs> have you had a good day so far, sir? Oh, it's been a great day. So, I mean, just like every other day in 2020, right? So, Herbie, you you tried, what, two locations, and you finally just got in your car and went down and you're scarfing off somebody's Wi-Fi, right? I mean, that's how much I love you guys. <laughs> I'm in the parking lot down the hill from the office, scarfing on somebody's Wi-Fi just to be able to talk to you guys. Yeah, Hurricane Zeta, if you want to make that yeah. little point in history, 2020, Hurricane Zeta took away Internet at two different locations, so now he's in a parking lot. Uh, we've lit him as well as we possibly can, and this is his devotion to us. He's willing to pay a $1,200 sale bill today. Right, and he's had to tape his phone to the windshield with duct tape to have a shot. <laughs> so, so Herbie, let, let's let's jump in. First of all, let's take care of something. Uh, you know, we know you, and, and a lot of the Rick and Bubba, you know, radio audience, they know you. But when, when Rick and Bubba University, the, this podcast world, uh, there's people watching this today and all these different platforms, and they may not know you at all. Uh, and when I mention Lifeline, they may go, well, he just said Lifeline in passing. We don't even know what what, what is Lifeline. <laughs> so why don't we do that first? Why don't we let people know uh, about Lifeline, and then we'll move into the book? Yeah. So Lifeline Children's Services, you know, really, if you put it in a line, we believe that we exist to bring gospel hope to vulnerable children. And so we are about taking the gospel of Christ Jesus to children who may ne- never hear that message. And that's orphans and children in foster care. But also we believe in coming around and wrapping around birth families. So it's not just getting kids into homes through adoption or foster care, but it's also seeing reconciliation and restoration of birth families. And so if we can come alongside and disciple and love on birth families, then we want to do that. And our distribution point is the local church. So our heart and our hope is how can we equip the local church, both here in North America, as well as around the world to do that work and from God's word, James 1, 27 says, pure and undefiled religion is to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And we believe that was God's command to his people through his church. And so if we can get that, not through a parachurch ministry, but through the local church, then that is a victory for us. You know, we've talked about this before, and I want to make this point again, because you read that scripture and it's so straightforward. Uh, there's no way around it. But I think sometimes people, they read that and and they're devoted to to be uh, disciples of Christ, and, and they hear James talking about that, and they think that that if they're not adopting a child or they're not being foster parents, that somehow they're they're living in sin. And then they look at their life, and they're like, you know, I just don't, I don't, I, I don't know that I could afford what it takes. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether I could take that on. Uh, you know, I'm in I'm in this situation, but I, I see this in Scripture, and I want to be part of it. Be sure and and kind of lay out. If you're called to adopt a child, we celebrate that. Uh, if you're called to be a foster family, we celebrate that. Uh, and, and if you're being called to do that, don't be in disobedience. But you can still fulfill this scripture in many other ways, including financial. 
Well, that's right. And, you know, the way I like to look at it is, and then looking at another scripture, the Great Commission, we know that we're called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Well, if every Christian from the United States took that as a literal command to leave the United States, we would have no believers left in the United States. (laughs) And so, you know, there are some that are called to leave the United States and go out to the nations, but we're all called to make disciples. And so that means we share the good news with our neighbors, with our friends, with those in our network, with those that are at work. In the same way, we could care for orphans in a lot of simple ways by loving on a, a woman going through a crisis pregnancy, by caring for uh, children, by being a big brother, a big sister, by our financial support, by the way we pray even. I think it should inform the way that we pray. So not everyone is called to adopt or to foster uh, or to, to do something to that magnitude, but we all are called to do something. And, I, you know, one of the, the places I like to look in the word, because, you know, a lot of times God's word does show us practical application of what his commands mean. And the book of Ruth is such a beautiful practical application of what God wants us to do as his children on behalf of the vulnerable. And you see Boaz in Ruth chapter two do for Ruth what we're called to do for the vulnerable. And Ruth is practically speaking, a widow, an orphan, a stranger, and an alien. And Boaz takes notice of her. He provides for her. He cares for her. He treats her with honor. Uh, he blesses her. And so these are some of the ways that we can fulfill James 1.27 by taking notice of vulnerable children and vulnerable families, by praying for them, by blessing them, by honoring them, and by speaking kindly to them. So yes, we can adopt, and yes, we can foster, but not everybody's called to do that. But we are all called to do something simple uh, and, and to look at the way that our lives are caring for those that are most vulnerable. Yeah, I, I've seen it happen before. People rally together, say there is a family that says we are absolutely being called to adopt a child either domestically or, or internationally, and they do not have the finances to do it, but they know that God has called them to this. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens? If we, if we do it right, then the rest of the church surrounded, surrounds them. We either provide the money ourselves if we have it, or we find a way to raise it for them, and then we pay for that and, and play, play a role in that orphan being adopted uh, and, and like uh, you, you said with this and this particular topic and all these things go square on the nose of Rick and Bubba before they go to anybody else, one thing you will find in all these things in Scripture is you will never find a call to do nothing. That's right. That's and, right. And, and that's that's something I had to come to the conclusion on. Well, there, 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 that call, the old call, you know what? I feel like this Christ has called me to do nothing. Right. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you just that, that call does not see me in the list of callings. I'm so, sitting still. I got it. <laughs> I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing, and that's my call. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back, and we're going to dive into the book that you've authored called Image Bearers. And, and what exactly does that mean when we continue on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast? Well, we're talking to Herbie Newell, president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. And, Bubba, we're about to get in a topic that we talk about so much on the program. It's at the heart of the upcoming you know, political season that we're in. And this is the discussion. And I know the book talks about other things, but this is kind of the heart of it. What, what do we really mean when we say, hey, I'm pro-life? And, and, and we've had this discussion before, and, and, and you take this on in the book. Sometimes we say that we're pro-life, but we may act more like we're pro-birth. Uh, when, we, when we talk about being pro-life and that God loves life and he doesn't want life denied to anyone, all those things are true. But you take this book and say, let's really unpack what we're saying 
and let's not just have it as a slogan. Let's dive in and talk about what this really means. So, so tell us a little bit about that aspect of the book. Yeah. So, I, I mean, certainly the, the, the foundation of life is birth, right? And so I want to make no mistake and uh, make sure I don't parse any words. We must be against abortion. We must be against infanticide. We have to be for life being born. That is the most critical thing and the critical piece. I think what we want to explore and what I explore in the book is if we stop there, though, then we're stopping short of what Christ came to give us, which I came to give you life and life abundantly. And so we've got to walk out that life and walk alongside of those those parents, walk alongside of this life that has been born in a pro-life type of way. So I believe that it actually increases our rhetoric for pro-birth or for life being able to be born when we also follow that life out once it is born. And so a lot of the things that we explore are caring for single parents uh, by coming around them, loving them, uh, caring for them, discipling them, helping them with job placement. Uh, It does look at adoption and foster care. How do we care for these kids once they're born? It also explores how do we look at those with special needs in our midst? You know, as God's people, chosen people, we should be looking at those with special needs as the image bears that they are, that they reflect the very nature of God. And I know for me, many times those uh, love, lovely people that I meet that are struggling with special needs actually sometimes show uh, the, the character of God more clearly uh, in, in the way that they love and, the, and sometimes the simplicity with which they live. Uh, we also tackle in the book racial reconciliation and what does it look like to really love our brother um, that may look different than us or may be from a different culture than us. And then we really also tackle fatherlessness as well as marriage. And so how do we care for those that are fatherless and how do we, as husbands, love our wives and how to, how to, as wives, we love our, our husbands in such a way that we show a reflection to the world that we really do value life in every aspect uh, that there is. Herbie, let me ask you this. You, you've kind of moving this out of the political world, but I want to jump back into that for just a minute. Cause I appreciate your boldness because we, we talk with a lot of people and, a lot of people like to tiptoe around the abortion issue, and and we've had some of them here, and we've heard response from those that were here. Um, why do you think that there is such a passion for abortion, and why is it such a divisive issue in our society? When, from our view, it's very clear. Uh, I think science proves that our point is very clear. Uh, you have someone with different DNA. The mom is actually, you know, carrying the baby. But it is different DNA. It is a different person. It is not the same as a gallbladder or a, a kidney or a liver. I think science has proven that. But why do you think it is such a litmus test, a political football? It's such a line in the sand to such depth that it is why because you deal with it on the front line every day i'm just wondering what your perspective was on that well i think if you go all the way back bubba to the fall you know all the the whole fall was about i want my choice i want to be able to choose who i am and i don't want to be mastered by god and you know even the devil asked eve did god really say and, and, well, that won't really happen to you if you disobey God. And so since the fall, as, as men, 
created in the image of God. We've warred against that God that we are created in his image and, and we want what we want. And so the abortion debate in our country, unfortunately, has been cast as convenience, which unfortunately hits our sin nature right at the heart. We want to be our own God. We want to be in control of our own destiny. We want to we want to be the one making the decisions for ourselves. And so that convenience just really hits at us. And unfortunately, we look at uh, a pregnancy as an inconvenience if it doesn't hit our timetable. You know, we want everything to hit in our timetable. And, and even not trying to make it political, but we look at COVID-19 and both of our, our political parties are looking at each other, blaming the other for a virus that's outside of our control. And so we, we're constantly looking for control. And so I would believe that abortion is nothing but another issue of trying to maintain control, take control and, and, and in an area that was never ours to control. It was never ours to speak into. And so you also, unfortunately, and I'm going to call out my own, I believe that the church, we got soft on this issue. And, and we really got soft on this issue when we got soft on marriage. You know, we allowed no contest divorce to come in and we did nothing about it. It's just like, OK, that that sounds convenient. And the church was relatively silent. But if you can pick and choose when and when you do not want to be married and you're not at all worried about a covenant or a commitment, then the very next thing, the plausible thing is well, we're going to pick and choose when we have children. We're going to we're going to make that choice on our own as opposed to putting that in the sovereign control of God. And so we've seen that slippery slope go down and I'll, I'll make it even more if we can pick and choose who and whom we want to love, like the 70s, that free love movement, I'll pick and choose who I want to love, when I want to love them, then that 100% goes into the Obergefell decision where we legalize same-sex marriage. It's, it's that whole slippery slope. And at the very core of that is we have to, as God's people, go back and say, we're committed to him, we love him, we believe in his rule, and we believe that we are, we are, we are submitting ourselves to him. And because of that, we believe life is sacred. So I don't believe even that it should be a political issue. Unfortunately, though, our political parties uh, have completely split on such a foundational life. How can you begin to say that we're for the common man or the common worker, as our, as our Democrat friends would say, when you don't even believe in the foundation of life being able to be born? That, that is the, the foundational element. So to me, every other political foundation falls flat on its face if you don't believe in the sanctity of life. Boy, I'm gonna tell you, that's Herbie just said home run right there. Rick. Yeah, he did. I mean, and, uh, my spirit is in such agreement amen. with you, brother, and I appreciate you being bold to say that because I think you're right. Yeah. And and let me take it a step further. You said the church got soft on it. Why? Why did we yeah. get soft? What happened to the Western Church of the Great America? What What happened to us? Well, again, I, I'm 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 speaking I'm speaking in the hometown crowd, so I'm one of these. Yeah, but yeah, we we're begin weird. again to put our convenience and our preferences above the Word of God. Um, we started to pick and choose the scriptures we wanted to follow and those that we didn't want to follow. You know, we begin to want our preferences. I remember uh, my grandfather back uh, telling stories of planting churches in rural Alabama, and I, you know, and this is back in the day of you know, the, the overhead projectors, and they put a screen uh, in one of these church plants to have an overhead projector to be able to sing songs. And, and it just split this church plant. And, and we, we, we have preferences over worship and preferences over this or that. And, and even now we could say in our own country, there are pastors that are preaching in order to uh, 
hope that people will like the message and the church will grow as opposed to preaching the word of God. And the word of God says it is a stumbling block and is offensive to those who are perishing. We have to preach the word of God because it's the truth. And when the church got soft on the word of God and even began to look at our places of worship as places of preference, then how can we, it's just, again, it's that slippery slope of we'll pick and choose what we want to do. We'll pick and choose the things we want to take serious from God's word. And brothers, you know, as well as I know, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. And I, and I think we as humans too, we all want to be liked. We want people to agree with us. We want people to pat us on the back and say, we're doing a good job. But I think, uh, especially when you're in a worship service where someone who is called of God is bringing the message of God that needs to be brought that week. I mean, we need to leave there offended, don't yeah. we? Are, yeah. are we? Are we just? The Bible uses the term "tickling their ears," yeah. which is a, a sign of the latter days. To me, that's the part that gets me. The, these these type of uh, this type of apostasy and heresy that's gotten into the church. In order for it to be that, you you're re, you're claiming you're reading out of a Bible that told you not to do now what you're doing. And said there's going to come a day when you're going to be doing this. You're doing exactly what Paul told Timothy was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think it, go, it goes back to that. I, I really do think it gets down to what you guys just said. And, and, um, and, and Peter talks about this in Second Peter. First Peter, he's worried about the attack of Satan outside the church. Here comes Nero. He's, he's going to martyr us. He's killing us. Don't lose hope. Let's talk about suffering. But then in the second letter, when he's getting close to his time to be martyred. Now he said, here's my second concern, the attack from within the church. Uh-huh. And now Satan's going to try to rise up within the church. And and I think when we look, and we talked about this, we did a podcast with, with Chuck Hooten about the worship problem. He touched on some of this. And what's happening is, I think, and Bubba, you talked about it then, about being uncomfortable. I think that when if you go into any kind of worship, and I'm putting quotes around that, that you don't feel ushered in awe of God, Mm. There's no fear of God, that you're right. not in awe of God. And I, I remember this vividly being in a service one time, and they were the, the choir was singing, Lord, you're holy. Well, you know, in Lord, you're holy, all of a sudden there's a moment in that song where they just start reading God's resume, mm-hmm. just, like, just like with Job. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Sherry as a wretched, sinful person in the horrible rebellion that I had against this, this holy God, and I looked at her and I said, I cannot believe I've ever sinned against him. Mm. And see, if, mm-hmm. if you're if you if you're not in awe of God, you don't care about sin. That's right. That's uh, uh, because, right. because now you've created the big man upstairs. You know mm-hmm. well, who who cares if I blaspheme Granddaddy who sits out there with some wisdom to say? But buddy, if you knew who you were really sinning against, right. then it, then it's different. And 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 it's it's like right. we're afraid to do that now because we think, Bubba, to your point, somebody's going to get offended, somebody's going to be bothered. Mm-hmm. And and what we have to do is say, look, we're not against you. Back to wanting to be like mm-hmm. we're for God, mm-hmm. and we and we can't we all agree with that? Don't we want to all be for and, God? And it, it really it, gets it, back it, to what right. you were talking about, Herbie. We we have a choice: is it our way or God's way? And yeah, and even right. if you submit to God, you may not agree with it totally. But I think when you submit, that's where it begins. Yeah. You know, well, you may you may not understand, you may not even agree, but you go, look, I realize who you are. I'm going to submit, and I'm going to grow from that decision. But we just want to be our own little gods, and that's that's where that's it started, heart, that's and that's where we are, and that's really the the, heart the human experience, isn't it? We, we we're now we're creating churches that we act like God worships us. We don't worship Him. 
That's right. Well, and, you know, we also, we love the idea of grace and mercy. And of course, that's the foundation of the gospel of Christ Jesus is grace and mercy. But in order to have grace, we have to recognize that we've done something wrong. Right. There is no grace if, I, if I've not done anything wrong. And so I, the other thing that even on this abortion issue, where I think we've gotten squishy, is we've gotten this whole idea that we, we, we can't speak truth. We, we only have to just be accepting and acceptance is love. But the Bible says that love is truth and truth is love. And so they, they, they go together. And I, and I give the analogy that parents will understand. If your child's about to run into the street, you're not going to go, oh, buddy, don't do that or do whatever you want to do. Right. If you see a car barreling down, but you're going to get firm and you're going to speak truth and you're going to tell your child, hey, come back. Now, the same ha happen if your child goes into the street and does get hit. You're going to pick that child up and you're not going to scream at them in the face and say, why did you run in the street? You're going to pick them up. You're going to you're going to meet their needs. You're going to heal their wounds. But afterwards, you're going to say, this is why we don't do that. And that's what we're missing, too, is truth. We want to be we want to be accepting. And we see that as love. The thing that is the most loving is when the most truthful. Well, we'll come back and we'll jump more into the book It's called Image Bearers. It's by Herbie. Uh, Newell, and uh, you, you, we'll tell you how you can get the book. You can get it on Amazon if you'll go there. It's there, or, or you can go to lifelinechild.org, and you will see the book there, too. If you want to put slash image bearers, uh, you'll go right to the book. Uh, when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Now, Bubba, we're excited about Scoremaster joining Rick and Bubba University. Did you know that the average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score, but they have no idea to do it well rick it's like everything else there's probably a technique and a reason and a way you go about it well scoremaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score forget raising your credit score a few points i mean that's not going to accomplish anything that's not going to be a game changer the average scoremaster user raises their credit score 61 points mm, in 20 on. days come on did I say 61 points? Yeah. Rick, do you know how much money that will save you? Oh, well, let's let's look at some examples. All right, so let's say that your credit score was in the high 500s or mid 600s. If you just bought a new car, if you had gone to ScoreMaster first and used their system to raise your credit score, you would have just uh, you would have saved $9,000. $9,000. So better when, scores get better deals. If you're talking about a house and a home loan, and you went up sixty-one points. You're saving like a hundred grand uh, on the length of the uh, of the actual loan. That's real math, folks. Th that is. So here's what you need to do: Scoremaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points Scoremaster can add to your credit. Visit Scoremaster.com/slash/RickBubba. That's Scoremaster.com/slash/RickBubba. So we're talking with Herbie Newell, and uh, he is the president, and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. And, and we're talking about some things. You hear this thing about being pro-life. Uh, it's a huge topic, whether it should or shouldn't. It's become a political topic, and we've, we've talked about that. But uh, there's different chapters in the book, and you kind of listed them rapid fire. I, I want to talk about the one because it ties to this topic, uh, when you, and you mentioned in passing, about children with special needs. Um, you know, I know sometimes that there's difficulty getting adoption and foster parents for children with special needs. But to the point we just talked about, one of the reasons you hear this so-called Planned Parenthood, which, you know, they, if you look at their history, you'll find that their game plan was basically to eradicate uh, people that they didn't think should be around, uh, like you find in, in communist countries. Uh, and so 
But when, when one of the reasons we hear this is, well, you know, I want to be able to look at the baby. I want to find out everything about it. And if the baby's not perfect or it's got some issues, then who can fault me for just deciding I don't want to take that on? So maybe this baby doesn't have, uh, shouldn't have chan- a chance to, to live uh, because it's going to be a huge burden on everybody. Now, you write in the book, and, and, and we've seen this firsthand, uh, one of my sons uh, feels a call to a ministry called Hand in Hand, where these, these parents who have special needs children, and instead of them going to church and then their kid is just somebody babysits them while the mom and dad go to service, they actually set up a service designed for children with special needs, and they actually work to disciple them in their own way to the, the challenges they may have. And one of the things that, that I've noticed, and I've, I've talked about this uh, a lot before, is the sheer exhaustion sometimes mm-hmm. with parents with children mm-hmm. with special needs and you mentioned a minute ago that we we need to come along uh, aside uh, these families because uh, you know you, you think about I, I even talk about this even the difficulties that, that that my family's been through with the earthly death of a child which is traumatizing and it's difficult and it's hard and I'm not uh, I mean I, I don't think you, I have to sell you that that's a difficult thing however uh, even though it's always uh, you know in my life every day these people that get up every single day and every single thing their child who is still with them has to do is difficult. Nothing's easy. The simplest things like breakfast, the simplest things like getting out of bed, the simplest things that we're trying to go on vacation, but hey, we had to come home early because maybe the child's in the autism spectrum and you know we, we, we changed the schedule and, and they had a meltdown and we just got to the point that, hey, we just need to go back home. I wonder sometimes if, if we understand, and, and none of these parents would say that there's anything special about them. That's that's what you know. It kind of goes back to Billy Graham's grandson when somebody talked about his granddad being humble, and he said, "Let me tell you how humble he is." He would he would disagree with you that he's humble, you know. And so that that's that's how humble he really is. Uh, but but anyway, um, talk a little bit about what you are talking about in the book about uh, parents and children of special needs. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, too, that, that we did look at is what you said with Planned Parenthood and eugenics and trying to, to say that, that abortion is about only having perfect people uh, and, and only having certain people. And the truth of the matter is uh, all of these children are created in God's image and they are special and they show his image in special ways. And, and I could go through a litany of, of people I know that are struggling with special needs that are some of the sweetest believers that I know, that have some of the, the most pure relationship with Christ that I know, and that reflect the glory of God in, in ways that I've never seen anyone else reflect his glory. But you're 100% right, Rick. There is also a challenge for these parents because you think about it, a, a lot of time as parents, you know, we think of when can our child reach a certain point where they'll be able to be somewhat self-dependent right. or they'll be able to be somewhat self-reliant. And we have parents that are committed to their children, that love their children. They're grateful for their children. They also are tired because they're constantly having to meet needs yeah. uh, that that their child's not going to be able to become self-reliant or meet their own needs in that way. And so one of the ways that we can be the church and the one of the ways we can care for God's image bearers is by coming alongside those parents and giving them a night off, you know, helping them uh, really be able to have times where they can get away for a night or two. Uh, there's a, a great ministry that, that I love uh, up in Virginia it's out of a church and the church actually allows parents with kids with special needs to have times where they can 
uh, have a camp and send these kids to a camp maybe for three nights and then go out for a, a getaway or for a night and go out to dinner. And church members are coming in and being those counselors and being that help. Uh, there's simple ways, even just taking a meal, uh, being present with these families and taking a notice and knowledge that this isn't a one-time thing. Uh, this is something that's ongoing for them, that they need something. I've heard uh, special parents of special needs children say it's like there are a lot of little bitty deaths every day that we mm. encounter, yeah. um, deaths to things that we used to do or deaths to things that everybody else is doing, that we gladly make that sacrifice. But every once in a while, it is just like pouring you know, water on a dry ground when families and friends come and do some of the most simple things for us, cutting the grass. Uh, taking a meal, loving on them, praying for them, being present for them, or maybe even providing respite. And, and these are things that are needed. And, and, I, and I go back to God's word too, because Rick, I think it's so important. You see Jesus, and we love to see his miracles and talk about how many miracles he did. But the recipe for needing a miracle is you've got a problem. Right. You don't need a miracle if you don't have a problem. And he was going to the blind. He was going to the lame. He was going to the outcast and loving on them and caring for them. And 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 I and again, I love the way that he paints that picture for us that it now is his people. We go to the lame. We go to the outcast. We go to their caregivers and we show the love of Christ by the way that we're present and by the way that we care for them. And brothers and sisters, when we do that, it's countercultural. When we do that, it shows a watching world that doesn't know Christ and that thinks that our uh, our pro-life stance is just political. And we show it's not political. It's who we are. It's what we're about. And it's everything that we're about. Yeah, I heard a, a dad of a special needs child. I just heard this in, uh, in something that uh, uh, one of my sons had put together for the church that he works for. And they have uh, a ministry, as, like I just mentioned, uh, the way it operates. And he said that the biggest flaw that people make is they think that our kids were mistakes, that somehow God, that God made a mistake, and this is some kid that had something because of the fall of mankind, and there's some truth to that. He said, but what you're missing is that God is using these children to reach you and to present the gospel in a way that can't be done any other way but through them. They, they, are, right. they, they are here for a specific reason, and, and he said, we don't need to treat them like they need to be put off in a room and everybody th- give them some toys to play with. Allow them to, to just permeate the gospel of Jesus because they are part of, the, of, of God's unique plan for you to see him in them. And I thought that was a beautiful yeah, and statement. I'll, and I'll take a, a beautiful illustration. So there's a family I know of. They serve uh, overseas, making the gospel known in Asia and they adopted a little girl that was blind from a country uh, where she was completely outcast. As a matter of fact, uh, this little girl uh, would have lived institutionalized for the rest of her life. They, they adopted her. And what's so crazy is this family would tell you they have more opportunities to share their faith in the context they're living in now with their little girl who's blind than they ever did before because she has such joy that she's attracting people. It's not just they're asking Whoa, how did you get this little girl that's blind? They see the joy on her face. They hear her laugh. They hear her giggle. They hear her just love life in a way that they aren't loving life. And they're coming up and saying, why is she so joyful? What's going on? And it gives them a great opportunity to say she knows uh, life in ways that we don't know it. 
Um, I love even what Fanny Crosby, the, uh, the, the hymn writer, said. Someone asked her one time, you know, if you could have a wish and ask God, would you ask for your sight? And she said, no, because the first face that I'll see will be my savior. Mm. You know, again, so many times when people are, are losing a faculty or they have this need, every other sense is so much greater. And they, like we've said, they see God and show God and his glory and his majesty and his love in ways that, that we really can't. So we'll come back. We'll finish up with Herbie Newell. Image bearers, uh, all these topics we're talking about today are covered in the book. And as you can tell, Herbie's not afraid to take on uh, a tough topic and just tell it like it is. Yep. Uh, you can get it by going to Amazon and look for it, Image Bearers by Herbie Newell or just go to lifelinechild.org slash image bearers. We'll be back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So, Herbie, to, to wrap up our time together today, and we, we can't hit every chapter of the book Image Bearers, but you know one that's going to stir us today. And this is you, and it's a combination. One chapter is encouraging fathers toward presence and involvement, and, of course, in that, that parlays into rallying godly men. And, and what we've talked about, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, and, you know, we, we have the, the ministry we put together, themanchurch.com, and you and I have mm-hmm. talked about that. And, and the reason, the, the, the point that has to be understood is a man cannot take his influence and just say, I'd like to switch it to neutral, meaning, mm-hmm. meaning it just doesn't do anything. I'd like to not. I don't want to be held accountable for anything. I don't want any bad uh, uh, influence. And I want out of the game. Yeah, I, I'm not yep. sure I care about. Can I just be no influence? And of course, as you say in the book, and as we said, no, that's impossible. The way that God made a man and men, men and women are equal. You got a chapter on honoring women, which that would be what a godly man should do. Uh, Peter says uh, it, it hinders your prayer life if you do not sure. hold your wife in a place of honor. Uh, so men and women are equal. They're co-heirs with Christ, but there's an influence, and as you say, a presence that God has given the man, and uh, as, as my wife wrote about in her book, that cannot be replaced by anyone else. And so your influence right. is either going to be a detriment, it's going to be an obstacle that everybody's having to work around if it's not under the authority of Christ, or it's going to be a blessing, uh, and it's going to be an attribute. And you talk about being present. Talk about Talk to men about that. Yeah. And one of the things that even as I hear you talking, uh, unfortunately, in the work that I do, a lot of times when you meet with vulnerable women who are going through crisis pregnancies, uh, one of the things they have almost 100 percent is what we would call a daddy wound, either an absent father, an abusive father, a father that was in the home but was inactive. And so I'll go back to your point to say, yes, men cannot be neutral. And if, if we could, then why in the world would there be daddy wounds? There, there proves that there's something that a man needs. And, and the biggest thing is presence. And I believe right now in our world, everything that we have is, is attracting the attention of men. Um, it, it's, it's garnishing their attention. But when it does that, it's, it's taking them away from their families. And so it's sport. It's, it's entertainment. It's, it's, uh, Unfortunately, technology, all of these things are trying to take our attention away from our families. And instead of being plugged in uh, to what's going on, we have just relegated even rearing our children to a to a mom. You know, we'll easily say, well, there's no way I could do this without a mom. But what we don't realize is there's no way that mom could do it without a dad. That mom needs a dad. The dad needs a mom. And it works so beautifully together. And I know you guys see this as well. But with my own children. 
I see things that my children need desperately from Ashley, from their mom that I cannot provide, but they need things from me that which she cannot provide. And even when I'm gone and she's trying to provide it, she'll come back and say, you've got to do this. I need you to do this. And so there's such a big deal about being present. There's such a big deal about your attention. And so, and man, that isn't just, hey, I need to be there, but that's putting aside all distraction. That's having a dinner with your children. That's taking your children out for for a date and and one-on-one time to get to know their heart, to get to know what makes them tick. Little girls need to hear from their daddies that they're beautiful because of who God created them to be. Little girls need to hear from their daddies that they are special and unique, and they need to know that they're protected, and they need to know that they're loved. And little boys need their daddies to show what it means to be a man, what what, what toughness really means, that toughness doesn't mean I can beat up the boy next door. Toughness means mental and spiritual and and leadership, and I'm going to be tough even when the world comes against me, and I'm going to try trust in the Lord with all my heart, strength, and soul, and I'm going to lead in such a way. And our kids need that presence in a father. And and ultimately, Ephesians 5, men, we represent Christ to the church. We represent Christ to the world. Our children need to see that as men, we love our wives. We love them sacrificially. We support them. uh, We come alongside of them. And our, and the world needs to see that we love our families in such a way that we defend them, that we fight for them, we provide for them. And so I just, uh, I will say this, and again, I know it's strong and I'm not going to back down, but men, pornography and entertainment is seeking after you. Yeah. It, you do not have to wait for it to come. You can't say that you're just being neutral. It is seeking you out and it wants to tear up your soul. And so I would just ask men, put down your smartphone, get some accountability and get present with your family. Because if you're neutral or if you're not present, don't be fooled. Like Peter says, we've gone to Peter, first Peter, our adversary is like a roaring lion. He is looking to devour you. And so we must be intentional to be in the word, to pray, to have accountability and to, to love our families as Christ loves church. Well, you definitely have left no stone unturned uh, in the book, and uh, you know I guess you uh, you must not provide your email, so so nobody so you don't want to be taking all the emails about this book as you're taking on these topics. But now they're 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 really really important. I mean, you also take on in the book, um, you know, uh, uh, protecting against slavery and human trafficking. You mentioned pornography, and I, and I think sometimes these these men that are drawn into that world, especially if they have daughters. Uh, they've they've kind of lost the concept of how these women ended up in this place that they can't take their eyes off of, and they're being demoralized, uh, you know. And, and if it was their daughter, because that is somebody's daughter, uh, and 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 you they they in, in the way that they 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 look at that woman, what, what if that's how men looked at your daughter? What if that's how 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 and and mm. the, and the, these are these are women that have been pulled into a world that really we should be saying they should be delivered out of not to stand there and applaud them as if that's what they should look for to get a man's attention. That's right. Yeah. I, I think too, we've, we've got to realize as men, you know, the things that we think are so horrible, human trafficking, human slavery, 
the pornography industry is fueling that. Right. Um, most of the images that you see are a woman, not only as a father and someone's daughter, but a woman who has been snatched, a, a woman who has been trafficked, uh, or, or a woman who uh, has, has been hurt. And many times, going all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, many times those are children that were orphaned or vulnerable children that, that had nowhere to go, that no one stood up for them, and they, they ended up selling themselves into human or sex slavery. And so we've got to not just speak out against human slavery. Men, we have to get off the smartphones. We have to stop viewing the pornography because it's fueling the demand for human trafficking. Yeah, it, and you look at some of these things that we've seen especially, and it just makes you sick at your stomach. But again, it goes back to the roaring lion that's looking for somebody to devour. The people that predators, and Bubba and I have talked about this, what they devour is what can easily be killed. Yeah, They, they don't go they after go for the easy pick. Yeah, they wouldn't go for anything that's difficult because they're predators and they don't want to injure themselves. Right. And you see just about every time when we have one of these sexual predators or these people that snatch young girls and young boys, they target girls and boys that do not have fathers they they mm-hmm. they, they tar- that's that's the main thing they're looking for is somebody who does not have a defender that's right yeah they're looking for the vulnerable they're looking for the weak and so dads are needed to protect their families to protect their daughters uh and and it, it that that is the source that the lord has put in our families for protection you know and i love the fact that and my daughters are younger they're 13 and 10 you know, but my 13 year old knows, Hey, there, there ain't going to be anything that happens that daddy's not come to your rescue. Like I I'm here for you to protect your honor and to protect you. Um, I've already told my girls, you know, and, and if you ask them who their boyfriend is, they're going to say their daddy. Right. And so if any other guy wants to come into my home, he's going to have to come through me and I'm going to have to approve him who he is uh, before he dates my daughters. And, and they don't, they don't resent that. They love that. Because they, because because God has put inside of the heart of a woman the need to be protected, and He's put inside the heart of a man the the need to protect. And and God doesn't do anything by accident. Um, he 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 crafts everything together because we're made in His image. And the thing that I love about what God did is He put a little bit of Himself in the man that shows His full image, and a little bit of Himself in the woman that shows His full image, so that when they come together. They show perfectly the beauty and the majesty of God and his gospel. And, and both are needed uh, to, to work together in unison uh, for the, to show and display the image of God. And, and brothers, as you know, during this time of 2020 and all the things that we've been through, not just on the election or on the ballot, but life is on full display. The whole reason we shelter in place and wear masks is to is to fight for the image of life, is to fight for life. We we're saddened when we see life uh, pass off because of COVID-19 or some other reason, because in our hearts, we were given life because we were created in the image of God. And each of these lives reflect God. And so I would just encourage folks to know that life is a gift. It's precious. But also, as believers, we know that this world is not our home, and we are living for another home. And so everything we do right now in the here and now is to prepare others for that place that we're going. Thank you very much, Herbie Newell. Uh, Outstanding job today. The book is called Image Bearers, B-E-A-R-E-R-S, because I'm from Alabama. I may be be running that word together for you. Uh, You can get that. Yeah, Image Bearers. Uh, go to Amazon.com. Uh, you can find it there or go to lifelinechild.org then slash image bearers. 
Herbie Newell. Thank you for being with us, brother, and, and thanks to all of you for watching and or listening to this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>